Hello, welcome to CIA Files News Edition. I am Topher. I am sleepy. Uh, it, it is early in the morning where I am. Uh, it is not early in the morning where Brandon is. Yeah, I just got out of work. It's almost 5 p.m. Well, it's <laughs> it, that's not what time it is here. It's almost <laughs> 6 a.m. here. Oh, almost, but not good quite. Little, good, good little cup of coffee. It'll be ready. Ooh, yeah. Anyway, uh, we have... Uh, convened at this ungodly hour to discuss what's going on around the world yeah we got some news stories here just a few um little updates first off brandon can you help fill us in on how things have been in kazakhstan since the uh you know the kerfuffle oh okay well the president tokayev he did kind of a state of the union speech a night or two ago and um, addressed some of the questions that people were having, you know, like the West wanted to know why he invited um, the CSTO to come and help. And he's like, well, they're our neighbors and our friends. And if you're in trouble, don't you want to ask your friends first? And he also made a point of pointing out that the CSTO did not fire a shot. So anybody that was killed was killed by Kazakh security forces. Um, he also reiterated. That makes it okay. <laughs> Is that? <laughs> well, it's all about perspective. Well, the the big. The, it's not that it make, makes it okay, but part of the the worry was that oh, he's calling the Russians in to take over, and that was him. Partially him reasserting that Kazakhstan is an independent nation and it is not under the thumb of Russia or anything of that matter. And he reiterated the claim that it was some sort of terrorist action, like when the airport was taken. He said, oh, that was to the, the airport was taken by these, these organized armed people in order to land a plane full of foreigners. Um, there still is a lot of mystery about who these people were. And um, it just kind of came up out of the ground and they were coming from outside of Almaty, which is kind of bizarre. Like the, the barricades were to keep people out of the city. Um, the official story is that they were terrorists and like ultra right wing nationals. And there is in this region, like a cousin of ISIS um, that the authorities have been able to keep uh, pretty well suppressed and there is a claim that it was them and perhaps it was and maybe we'll see a little bit later the other thing he's uh, announced and what well, he had announced it earlier is there's something kind of like a national gofundme and it's like okay well it's not a tax to take care of the poor everything but you know all these rich people and companies you need to start taking care of this country and the poor and so you need to start donating money and it's got 50, um, let me see, I think it was 50 billion tenge, which is, hold on, let me get the calculator here, um, one, so yeah, about $115 million, yay. That has come through in donations? Uh, correct, correct. For, that's, 
I don't know what to think about that. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to imagine if, you know, like uh, Joe Biden's like, okay, okay, um, Bezos, uh, Elon, we got we to gotta, we gotta get some money here. So we're going to do a GoFundMe and we need you guys to donate. We're not going to raise your taxes, but here's a, here's a, please, please help the country. <laughs> it's a, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess um, it's better than nothing. Um, but he has been cleaning house as far as um, the elite go. Um, lots and lots of people have been fired. Um he opened up like a corruption office or hotline and it's just been overwhelmed. Um, and lots of people have been committing suicide and lots of other people that are quite wealthy have been finding new jobs. Um, like the mayor of Almaty has recently found a new job. So good for him. Oh, see, he's, he's moving on to, new opportunities is yes he's moving on to new opportunities uh which i guess as you know is a lot better than some of the other options right like uh, but being then, hung from a, a light post <laughs> well eh, it hasn't been quite like that i mean even the the suicides um i'm not hearing the methods but I don't have any other, any real reason to believe there are not actually people who are like, oh, I'm going to jail now. Yeah, right, right. I, I don't yeah, want that's, to. That's very believable. Yeah. Uh, some like one of the Department of Interior people um, has, uh, I can't remember if he was arrested or resigned or fired. Uh, a lot of the um, agricultural department. Um, yeah, lots of people have been fired. And... They've also getting rid of some incompetent people that have been put into positions of government simply because they're national heroes. Like um, there were some boxers or martial artists that, you know, made the country look good. So they were given cushy jobs, but which I guess is sweet, but not really the best use of taxpayer money. Right. Yeah. Right on. Well, is that, I mean, I guess it sounds good. Is that good? Uh, I mean, we'll see how it all plays out. I mean, I, I think it's good to get rid of corrupt people. But when, like when I was in China, Xi Jinping was doing the, well, he's still doing it, the tiger and gnats or tiger and fleas, you know, um, going after all levels of corruption. And he, he was getting rid of corrupt people. It just so happened that most of the corrupt people he got rid of were people that didn't support his agenda. So, right. Well, you know, but what are you supposed to do? Let corrupt people stay. I mean, in an ideal world, the corrupt would be rooted out equally. But, you know, I guess if you're getting rid of the corrupt institution that's been in there for 30 years, that might be a step in the right direction. Yeah. All right. What else do we have going on today? Um, we've got uh, Russia and Ukraine. That's still happening. Uh, the end is near. I think. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, well, if, if he's going to do the winter attack, he's got to get to it because that's that's almost done. <laughs> Our winter is winter is going to be ending soon. Right. Um, but there's yeah. always next winter. Yeah. Um, you got uh, Great Britain. Boris Johnson announced that he's prepping troops to send to Ukraine's border to help reinforce there. And uh, Germany is also helping 
Oh, <laughs> I was, was going to say, do you know who's not sending troops to the border? <laughs> this is Germany. I uh, mean, there are all kinds of different ways to help. You could send troops. You could send advisors. You could send weapons. Or you could send helmets. Yeah, 5,000 helmets. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's, that's almost like an insult. It's like, here you go. Here you go, Ukraine. You're going to need these. Yeah. <laughs> here you go. Um, well, I think the Ukrainian response was, why not pillows? Why not? <laughs> it's like, I mean, we need those too. So why not, why not send pillows? Yeah. Know? Some canned goods and some socks. Yeah. I think I think they're also sending medical equipment. Um, I mean, to be fair, medical equipment is, would be quite necessary, and it's it's a a good way because you can tell they're not wanting to upset Russia, but uh, it's more of like a clear message to Russia that they're going to have an open door, and the Americans and the Brits have pretty much made it clear that, well, they'll send weapons and they'll send advisors, but that's, that's probably going to be the end of it. So <laughs> Russia knows, okay, well, that's one last thing we have to worry about. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be, I'm curious to see it play out. You know, historically Russia and Germany have had a complicated history, but it's a new dawn. It's a new day. So, you know, maybe they'll get along consistently. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's um, a marriage of convenience. Uh, I don't, you know, well, just uh, they need, they need the, right. the oil. But this goes back, it reminds me of um, 9-11. And where I was really disappointed in, in George Bush. Like my memory of 9-11 was... Like the entire nation was hypnotized and we were willing to do anything to, to save the country or help the country. And instead of like saying, oh, well, we need to, you know, use really fuel efficient cars and, and get off of petroleum. So we, we don't, we aren't enriching nations who happen to have billionaires who give money to people that, that want to yeah. hurt us. And so we, we, we don't need, you know, we can't be blackmailed by the need for, for this, you know, natural no, resource <laughs> and even, you know, increase our own. I remember this. Um, yeah. It, no, his response was, yeah. if you stop buying SUVs, the terrorists win. Yeah. Yeah. Go out and get the car. Yeah. Yeah. yeah get the car that um, gobbles up a bunch of gas. Here's the tax credit to do it. And that was just so disappointing. And well, you know, Germany's in the same situation. They're they're needing that natural gas. Now, in their defense, they have been trying to move away. You know, they've invested heavily in, in solar power, amongst other things. Um, but still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotta stay warm, I guess. You know. Yeah. Um <laughs> keep the cars, keep the cars yeah. going too. Well, uh, yeah, uh, and then, you know, of course, we have this other global situation brewing with China, and now we have um, India is increasing their naval presence to kind of uh, to counter China, try to catch up with them in their neck of the woods. I'm not, do you know, can you, what do you know about India's relationship with China 
Well, they have a border dispute, and it flares up every once in a while. Um, and China's a big supporter of Pakistan. And if you're not aware, India and Pakistan do not really get along that, very well. I, that I do know, yes. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, their, their relationship isn't necessarily that great. And uh, China's also pretty heavily involved in the Sri Lankan um, state. And so it's kind of close to India's sphere of influence or where they might not feel comfortable. So China's string of pearls is very close to them. The string of pearls is like um, naval bases and, um, and ports for trade. So it's like the, the maritime version of the Silk Road. And speaking of China, China made a little edit to the movie Fight Club. It started streaming on a Chinese uh, streaming service. Yeah, so I don't, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Fight Club, um, <laughs> it ends with a, a bunch of buildings being ex, uh, blown up. As the, and they're, you know, uh, financial buildings where lots of uh, debt is kept. But, and that's the last shot of the movie, right? Uh, we see like the camera pulling away and the buildings blowing up and then falling. Well, in China, you don't see that now. Instead, before the buildings blow up, the screen cuts just to uh, some text that says, through the clue provided by Tyler, the police rapidly figured out the whole plan and arrested all criminals, successfully preventing the bomb from exploding. After the trial, Tyler was sent to lunatic asylum, receiving psychological treatment. He was discharged from the hospital in 2012. So, and that's interesting. It's also interesting considering Tyler was the uh, fake persona <laughs> the fake persona wanted to get caught. Right. So the fake was all about attention or something, right. you know? Uh, well, there are two things here. One is like um, Chinese censorship. One of the, one of their rules is it has to be positive. It, like it, um, it can't have this sort of, and you can't really have suicide. You can't have suicide and positive. It has to end positively. And I think the media reported too that the police have to win and order has to. Right, be I saw that you can't have criminals going unpunished. I believe. Um, what's interesting here is uh, Chuck Palahniuk, the author of Fight Club, responded to the censorship. Uh, he said, "Quote: The irony is that the way the Chinese have changed it." is they've aligned the ending almost exactly with the ending of the book as opposed to Fincher's ending, which was the more spectacular visual ending. Uh, so in a way, the Chinese <laughs> brought the movie back to the book a little bit. Yeah. Well, that maybe that's why they did I mean, it, you know, because you watch a movie and you're like, man, that's not what happened in the book. And it gets really frustrating. And they censors. <laughs> they were like, come They're, on. I'm guessing the Chinese government are the sort of people who can't stand if the movie deviates too much from the source material. I personally have gotten to where the, you know, a movie adaptation doesn't need to be exactly like the book so long as it's still good. 
And I don't know what's bad about uh, the police winning at the end. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, the guy goes to the hospital to get the help he needs. In the uh, in the book, the narrator shoots himself, kind of the way Jack did in the movie, but he doesn't. The bomb doesn't go off, and he ends up in an in a sane asylum. So in that instance, you know, the Chinese version matches up. But then also in the the book, he ends up in an insane asylum, and it ends up that it's run by Project Mayhem people. So it's like he couldn't escape, you know, the cult Aww. that he built. Is that what will happen if Trump actually goes to jail? The jailers will be part of Project Mayhem Pro- or his own his project own project. Q. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, that would be the better the better yeah. reference. Yeah, the jailers might be yeah, yeah. the Q people. Oh, I want to circle back here to this um, parade of shame that the naval vessels had, or something. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. The U.S. and Japan did that recently too. And we ended up losing like a stealth fighter that um, had an accident on the deck and fell into the water. Now, my understanding is we have no, um, like nobody died. But now there's this thing where we got to get a submarine there to, to get this technology before the Chinese pick it up. And, you know, they'll like, oh, yeah, here, here's something in the bottom of the ocean. And, of course, we can say, well, that's ours, but they could claim salvage rights. Just like, oh, this is an embarrassing situation. And that was... It was like a week ago, I think. And they were there with India? Oh, no, it was um, it was in the like South China Sea or that region. But there's this whole, like, all these nations are coming together and doing, like, um, parades. They're, with like, their, they're with their strutting around stuff. with and, their, all their stuff. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah, they're strutting yeah. their stuff, you know. And it's it's an attempt to intimidate China. I mean, but I mean, that's the whole reason you do those things. And um, but it's also embarrassing. We're starting around and then one of our crash, one of our planes and China's like, oh, let's see. <laughs> we don't know that they'll try to, to go get to it first, but I suggest we get there right. rapidly. <laughs> and then one last bit of news here that we uh, that I thought was worth covering. It's not actually international news per se, but. It is uh, it is related to it, and that's that Samsung has announced that they are building a microchip factory in Texas. It's supposed to start sometime this year and uh, be finished in 2024 uh, for $17 billion is what they're thinking it's going to be, uh, what the cost of the factory will be. And this is this plays into the international scene because uh, microchips. There's a shortage of them around the world, and everybody needs them for you know your new cars, computers, cell phones, um, everything. Like everything has a microchip in it now. Uh, that's been a big part of the race for Taiwan because Taiwan currently has the biggest and most advanced microchip factory in the world. So that gives China some interest in reclaiming what they believe is rightfully theirs, even though it has a democratically elected government now. And probably why, you know, the United States and other Western countries have formed a really tight bond with Taiwan, or at least try to, 
she's like no taiwan is our friend our friend that supplies us with microchips but we're friends oh well uh, if i were taiwan then i might get a little bit nervous about microchip factories being put in the u.s because uh they might be a bit obsolete uh, yeah that was that was kind of my first thought i doubt that I don't. I could be wrong, but I don't see this changing the West's attitude toward Taiwan or the United States' attitude toward Taiwan. Um, but it probably makes the you know the people in charge here in the U.S. Um, a little less concerned. You know. Yeah, I mean that's a that's just like the um, ah metals, rare earth right. metals, and China's got like a huge market on those and. Australia is um, a place of the future for it, but it's still Australia is quite far away. So to make satellites, guided missile systems, you know, most of our, our newer weapons and such work, yeah, we need we need those. And so that's a very serious defense issue. Yeah, is having the ability to produce our own, you know, rare earth metals or you know, synthesize them, <laughs> if not produce them. I, I don't know. I wouldn't think that's I'm possible. I'm assuming not, not now, but. yet anyway. So China is still, you know, they still claim Taiwan as theirs. However, Taiwan now has, like I mentioned before, a democratically elected government. And, you know, it's, I mean, I don't want to be controversial here, but I mean, for all intent and purposes, it is a country. It is its own sovereign country now. Our podcast will not be allowed in China now. You did it. <laughs> well, <laughs> you did it. That market of a billion gone. I mean, I understand that the situation with Taiwan is more complicated than that. And China says, no, they're not a country. They're ours. They're just. Well, they, they have the, the two China policy, basically. Um well, one China policy, rather. They're both claiming that there can be only one China, and they're each China, but there is only one. And so mainland China's position is that, yeah, it's kind of like this renegade province that by law is part of China. And as long as Taiwan continues to say that by law, Taiwan is part of China, then that's okay. So they're kind of, mainland China is ignoring the whole, but we're the real China. So, I mean, I'll reverse it. It's kind of like Taiwan is saying, well, yes, the mainland is a renegade province of us, and we are China. And... Red China is kind of like, well, as long as you agree that we're all one China, <laughs> we'll kind of let this slide. Um, it's If you say that you aren't China, that's when we're going to have a problem. Um, but, you know, and the, that's that's been kind of the status quo for a long time now, where as long as they both say that there's one China we get along. Let's just mumble through the rest of right. it. And, uh, you know, it's like de jure versus de facto. Uh, even like Crimea, for instance, would be de jure part of Ukraine, but de facto it's part of Russia. Yeah. And, um, you know, then you've got these whole questions of international recognition. 
you know, like in theory, if there were like open elections, uh, you know, the Chinese Communist Party said, well, we're going to we're going to allow make it a lot easier to get on the ballot. We're going to let people, you know, run for office more openly. And um, the Communist Party itself is no longer going to dictate policy to the um, I can't remember what their the General Assembly or whatever their official legislative body is. I mean, in theory, you could have a, then a democratic China come about, and Taiwan might say, "Oh, okay, yeah, it's time for us to recognize our union here," and that could happen, right? <laughs> but know? then, it, you know, we correct me if I'm wrong, but. China is also kind of creeping uh, more military forces in there, where they're kind of they've been like slowly like expanding with you know like small little islands that they use to set up, you know. Yeah, they've been getting more and more aggressive, and and yeah, building bases and defenses closer. And one of the things they do is um, run uh, airplanes close to Taiwan very often and it's a matter of resources so anytime a plane goes through then the taiwanese have to have to you know launch planes to potentially intercept and that costs a lot of money i mean those things like by the minute you know i don't know how much thousand dollars a minute just some insane amount of money and it wears taiwan out financially and china can just do it you know, like, oh, we'll just send a plane every other day. I don't, I don't know how often. Right, they're but it. they're able and, to do it regularly. And then after a while, it gets to be the, it can be a strategy for an invasion because it's the boy that cried wolf, except they do intend, they are the wolf. Right. And, or something. I don't know exactly how to work this <laughs> metaphor out, but, you know, like if they, they, they keep doing these like fake flybys and eventually the Taiwanese can become complacent. You know, it's like, ah, they're just, they're just throwing it, they're just doing it again until, until it's real, until it actually is right. an invasion. And, but the, you know, uh, the big issue is, uh, could China, you know, like do a full blown military invasion of Taiwan and still keep everything copacetic with the rest of the world? Well, once they get their economy where they don't need, the rest of the world, which means, I mean, that's their, part of their Belt and Road Initiative, going through Central Asia, Russia, um, Africa, and whatever South American nations would rather just not be bothered. And yeah, as long as their uh, their economy can survive not trading with Europe and the United States, then yeah, whatever, right. you know. And for the unemployed, there's the army. Yeah, because they're going to need it. I, I see here, uh, Ken Gong. I hope I'm saying that right. Q I N G A N G. Ching Gong. Uh, he's China's ambassador to the U.S. Uh, said in an interview with NPR uh, this past Thursday that the U.S. This is on. I'm reading this from uh, MSN.com. Uh, the U.S. might face military conflict with China over the future of Taiwan. So he's, you know, there. It looks like China's trying to warn the U.S. away from getting involved. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it's. Um, 
at some point they're going to make a go for it. Uh, whether that's in our lifetime, I don't know. We, we've been kicking the can down the road, but at some point, China will economically not need the United States or its allies and militarily be able to fend the United States and its allies off. And, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're smart. They, it's highly doubtful that if they do invade Taiwan, they're going to directly attack the U.S. Like, I, I doubt there would be a, like a Pearl Harbor situation that would give us an excuse to, to come in. Um, you know, like if we don't, we lose face. So um, they may tolerate attacks from Guam or wherever else that we have, you know, Saipan, wherever we have our bases, simply because to attack them may not be worth it. Um, however, you know, the situation may change and they may decide they do need to do that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't see them like thinking as the Japanese thought, well, we have to clear the Americans out of the Pacific Otherwise, we won't win. I imagine they just think, well, we'll take it, and we could take Taiwan pretty quickly, and then they would have to get it away from us. And once we have it, you know, it's kind of hard to, to right. get away from. And and then, I mean, since it's both sides, both the Taiwanese government and the Chinese government have de jure stated that China is one nation, if the Chinese, if the the Chinese, as in Red China, take Taiwan, what legal right would anyone have to to liberate them? Right. You know, it's like they're not recognized. Taiwan is not recognized as an independent nation, but I mean, maybe like two or three countries do. Yeah, everyone else like yeah, so tried to play no- it safe and be on Taiwan's good side, but without pissing off China too much. Yeah. Yeah, it's a similar thing to what the Russians are probably about to do. Like, I, I imagine at the minimum they're going to go get the breakaway provinces, the Ukrainian, you know, uh, Donetsk and Lusank region. And after they roll on in there, it's like, okay, well, we got it now. <laughs> you know, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, and, you know, China, if they can manage. Now, the difference is uh, taking Taiwan is – it's going to hurt. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that it would be super easy for the Chinese. Taiwan is fairly advanced, and, you know, I don't know if their military could hold China off forever, you know, and also I'm not an expert, but uh, they definitely, they wouldn't be a pushover. And Yeah, well, they have a a huge um, submarine uh, navy, so... They would they would make uh, China hurt and resupplies hurt. They would make it very expensive. Of course, I imagine China would get um, air, you know, air superiority fairly quickly. Um, you know, they could resupply their troops like that. But yeah, I imagine it would it would be a, a painful war and very expensive. But I also imagine that the Chinese people they're very patriotic and they would be behind it. You know, it's. You know, I mean, to them, it would be like if, uh, well, Hawaii, Hawaii might not be the best example, but, you know, um, I'll just say Hawaii, that had Hawaii been um, taken from us by the Japanese in World War II and then 
when the war settled, um, Hawaii was kind of independent and we're like, oh, we want it back. And we're going to get that back. And, uh, yeah. you know, the, the emotions. Are, and then we did invade it to get it back. The American people might be, yeah, we're getting it back. Right. Or Alaska or, you right. know, anything. If we lost what we believed, or, you know, California, Florida, anyway, we're like, this was part of our territory. Right. And, and we want it back. You know, we would probably be all about it. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Um, all right. Well, uh, that's another little news wrap up. And we'll be back soon with the next episode the next you know full episode and in the meantime be sure to like subscribe write up a little uh review if you feel so inclined and follow us on the socials uh twitter and instagram at cia files podcast you can find us on facebook just facebook.com slash cia files and the website, of course, uh, ciafiles.net. And we will be back uh, forthwith. <laughs> um, all right, later. <laughs>